Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. And I'm going to share with you a, um, a word from the Lord tonight from, second, from Isaiah. And um, I want to just mention something to you. Of course, tomorrow morning, tomorrow is Christmas Day. And we're, we're going to have a service, a, seven, a 10 o'clock service tomorrow morning, a little shorter than we normally have. But um, I hope you come, bring your family. be awesome to bring your family to church on Christmas Day. Awesome, awesome. So hope to see some of you here tomorrow. And next weekend, our schedule will be, actually be pretty much the same for New Year's Eve. We're going to have a New Year's Eve service Saturday night at 7 o'clock. It will be a full-on worship service. Um, we'll pray, give words to people, minister by the Holy Ghost. And then New Year's Day, I'm going to preach. I'm going to give a, a word for 2023 that's coming up um, a week from tomorrow, um, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, amen. So I hope, hope you can come and be part of that as well. But this tonight I want to read to you, this has to be the top of the Christmas prophecies, the prophet Isaiah. You know, I remember when I was in Bible college, my first semester of Bible college, I remember that we, we, we had Isaiah in that first semester. We were taught the book of Isaiah. And our teacher told us, you know, I, I knew nothing about the Bible. I mean, I was totally unlearned as far as the scriptures are concerned. I knew nothing about it. And, you know, I didn't know if Isaiah was New Testament or Old Testament or in between Testaments. I didn't know what he was. And, and they taught us about Isaiah the prophet and how he lived 700 years before Christ. And he prophesied. And he spoke about something that was going to happen 700 years later. And that, you know, to me, that, that is one of the major, major convincing truths of the supernatural nature of the Word of God. The prophetic nature of the Word of God. God's Word is alive. It's alive. It's not like other books that you read. The difference with this book, reading the Bible, this book will read you when you're reading it. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us, I like to say unto me, everyone go, unto me, a child is born. This is personal. This is absolutely personal. Unto me, a child is born. Unto me, a son was given. And the governments of my life will rest upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful. His name will be called Counselor. His name will be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So Isaiah prophesied about this child that was going to be born. Two chapters before this, he prophesied and said that his name would be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted means God with us. He also prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 that this child would be born of a virgin. I mean, who even, who even has the courage to, to say something like that? Who has the ability and the, and the courage to say, the boldness to say, a, a, a virgin is going to conceive and have a child. And oh, by the way, his name is going to be God with us. In other words, she's going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and God is going to come and live amongst us in a human body. God with us. And then in Isaiah 9, he starts making it personal. personal. This isn't just for a, a corporate thing. This isn't just for the nation of Israel 
or a, a group of special people. This is for me. For me in my world, in my mess, in my stuff. What are you going through in, in 2022? What have you been through and what are you facing? What kind of challenges are you looking at when the dust settles, when Christmas is over and you got to go back to the real world? What kind of stuff are you facing? Well, you don't have to face it alone. God is with us. God is with me. And it's personal. And he wants to make it personal. He wants to show himself in your world and in your life. To change your world for his glory. To prove that he's real. He loves to show his glory. He loves to show off. He loves to show what he can do. He loves to find the most difficult circumstances. He loves to find the down and outers. The ones that have not a little chance. The ones that have no chance. That's what he's looking for. If you've got no chance, you're his. And he has a plan. Why does he do that? To show what he can do. He loves to turn water into wine. He loves to, t- t- to drive demons out of gathering demoniacs. He loves to open the eyes of the blind. He loves to cause dead people to come up out of their graves. He wants to do that in your world. God is with us. Everyone say God is with us. Now let's look for a minute at a couple of these names. His name will be called Wonderful. The word wonderful, it doesn't translate that great into English. This word wonderful is, is saturated in the Hebrew language. It's saturated with supernatural. Everything about Christ is supernatural. His eternal existence, supernatural. His virgin birth, supernatural. His preaching, supernatural. He, he says no one ever spoke like that man. No one spoke like Jesus. His preaching was supernatural. His miracle ministry, somebody say it. It was supernatural. His death and his resurrection, supernatural. His heavenly ministry is supernatural. So I have to say, you know, when the thing that attracted me in 1973, why did I give my life to Jesus? Why didn't I become a Buddhist? Or why didn't I become a, a Hare Krishna? Or why didn't I become a, a Muslim? Why, why not? Why not try one of those other? Why Jesus of all things? Why did I settle on Jesus? This is the reason why. The supernatural nature of Christ. When I started to get close to his word and get close to him, I realized this was more than a creed, more than a philosophy, more than a set of rules to live my life by. But this was a real person who had a real plan for my life. He got in the middle of my life. And all I can say is he's made my life wonderful. That's what he's done. You know, Paris and I are celebrating. We met at Christmas time. I came home for a Christmas break. I was attending Western Michigan University. You think it's cold here? Try to go up to Lake Michigan in December. It's cold. And I came back for Christmas to Slidell, and I met Paris 50 years ago. And you know what? He, eight months after that, we were born again. We began to give our life to Christ. And I have to say, this entire 50 years can be described as 
wonderful and supernatural. It's been the plan of God. It's been God's plan. So somebody say wonderful. He wants to make your life more than natural, more than ordinary, more than common. He wants to make your life unusually supernatural for the glory of his name. He's also called, this is part of Isaiah's prophecy, he's also called the everlasting father. The everlasting father. Well, if he's a father, then he has to have sons and he has to have daughters. That's that's what it was all about. Christ came to create a family. He, He came to this earth so he'd become my elder brother, that I'd become his younger brother, that I'd be part of the heavenly family. I'm not an outcast. I received the spirit of adoption into my life. And you have or you can too. And we become part of this unusual supernatural family. We are a, we are a family in the midst of this family of man. We are the family of God here on this earth. That's what the church is. The church is not common. The church is not ordinary. The church is made up of supernatural beings that have been born again by the Spirit of God. He's our Father. He's our everlasting Father. And we're His sons. We're His daughters. And we have an eternal inheritance bigger and better than you can think. You can't think big enough. You think Prince William has a heritage. Oh, no, the king of England has nothing, not even close, not even close, not even a comparison to what I have as an heir of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe that your eternity is in his hands? Do you believe that it's not over when the world thinks it's over? Do you think when when you get past your 70 or 80 or 100 years and you step into the other side, that's when you step into your inheritance and you really realize what it means to be a son of God. A son of God forever and ever and ever. Wow. Well, he's also called our counselor. Oh, my goodness. Counsel, wisdom. Who do you listen to? Who who do you take counsel from when the chips are on the table, when you've got to make some decisions? What do you do when they say, you know, um, I'm not even going to go, I'm not even going to say it. What are they going to say? Well, let me let me put it this way. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly doesn't mean people that do bad things. The ungodly means people that don't know Christ. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of those that do not know Christ. Because their whole attention and their whole value system is tainted by the system of this world. That's all they know. That's all they want. That's all they live for. They are polluted by the things of this world. They are obsessed by the things of this world. They are, they are enslaved to the things of this world. But when Christ comes... He becomes our counselor and we begin to get a supernatural perspective. Christ becomes our wisdom. Our wisdom becomes Christ himself. Our wisdom is from another world. 
We, we are walking in this new supernatural revelation. This book is so filled and lit up with revelation. If you knew it, if you really knew it, if you really, really knew the revelation that was available to you by the Holy Spirit through the written word of God, you would consume this book like nothing else. You'd have a hard time sleeping at night because you think, I've got to get in it. I've got to get it. I've got to know it. This is my life. This is my future. This is my eternity. This is my wisdom. This is where I find guidance for my job. This is where I find out what my life is all about. This is where I find purpose for my life. This is where I find out who I am and why I am and what my life is supposed to be about. It's right here. He is my counsel. He's the counselor of all time. He's our mighty God. Hallelujah. Our mighty God. You know, in the, in the original language, this terminology that Isaiah is using is warrior terminology. This is our, our warrior God. He is, yeah, he's not only the Prince of Peace. You have, you have to, sometimes you have to defeat some enemies before you can have peace. He's not just a frou-frou Prince of Peace. He is the, he is, he is the, he is a warrior God. And it says in Romans 8.31, what shall I say to these things if God is for us? Who is against us? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is our mighty God. What can defeat me? What can stop me when I'm his son and I'm yielded to his plan for my life? It's impossible for anything to stop God's plan from being fulfilled in my life. How do I know that? Oh, it was right at the beginning of the passage we read. The government is resting on his shoulders. He is the president. He is the king of kings. He is ruling my life. Every moment of my life, every step of my life, every plan of my life, it's absolutely settled. You know, you think, you know, people talk about fixing fights. This is a fixed fight. It's impossible to lose. The outcome's already. All you, all you want to need to do is go read Revelations 22. Go to the last chapter and you'll see who wins. And yet, the only thing you got to figure out is which team am I on? And what can separate me from the love of God? What can defeat my family? What can, what can kill me before it's my time to die? What can stop me from fulfilling God's purposes and plans? Absolutely nothing. So we're going to finish with this last one, the Prince of Peace. And then we're going to take communion. He is the Prince of Shalom. Shalom. Total wholeness in my life. Peace. The peace of God that goes through my spirit, my soul, and my body. Affects every part of me. He's my Prince of Peace. Paul said, therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. So how can I... Have peace in my life. See, peace 
It starts, peace in my heart starts when I make peace with God. How can I have peace with God if I've sinned, if I've lived a horrible life, if I'm a liar, if I'm a murderer, if I'm an adulterer, if I'm a thief? How can I have peace with God? Well, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that I can have peace with God. Christ came to save sinners. Christ came to, to forgive adulterers and thieves and murderers. Christ died for people like us. He is with us. And His precious blood, the blood of His Son, washes every sin away from my life and makes me as if I never, ever committed one sin my entire life. My sins are forgiven. Therefore, because I have faith in the blood of Jesus, I have peace with God. And because I have peace with God, now I have peace in my own life and with myself. I'm no longer struggling and worried and guilty and shameful and angry, embittered and filled with stress, wondering about what tomorrow holds, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Why? I'm in His hands. My sins have been forgiven. I have peace with God. Peace in my life. Peace with Him and peace in Him. And just like I was saying before, I also, you know, how many of you are Sometimes you, you worry about what tomorrow holds. You worry about if you're going to have enough money to pay your rents. You worry if you're going to have enough money to buy a house. Are you going to have enough money to buy or pay for the thing you already bought on credits? Am I going to be able to pay for that ring that I just gave that girl? Am I going to be able to pay for this car? Or are they going to come get it in the middle of the night? How can I know? How can I know? How can I have peace when I lay my head down that tomorrow is going to be okay? How can I know that he's got me? Because I am his. And the government of my life, the orchestration of my life is resting on his shoulders. How can I worry if I'm resting on Him? And my weight is resting on Him. And my future is resting on Him. I have peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So let's take communion tonight. Let's stand together and participate tonight in this celebration. We tried to give out as many of these as we could tonight. Um, if you don't have a communion um, cup and the bread, it's, on, it's all together. Just lift your hand up. The ushers are nearby. They want to give you one. If you don't have one yet, make sure you lift your hand up and leave it up till they get to you. There's hands all around. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Back here, back here, back here, back here, back here. Leave your hands up till they get to you so they can find you. Some over here. Some over here. Back this way, y'all. Keep your hands up until they get to you. Is everybody okay back there? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now this is, you know, I think of um, 
Christmas is the most amazing thing. Who would ever? The things that God did to make Christmas happen is, it's not something, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't make up this stuff. It's impossible to make this stuff up. It's impossible for a virgin to have a baby. But she did. Impossible. For God to become a man. How could that, how could, how's that even a thing? The, the creator entered into this creation. It's like, it's like a, a, an author of a book and somehow the author of the book comes walking into the pages of the book. It can't happen. But it happened. God became a man. That's what Christmas is. He entered into this world. He entered into the creation that he made. He, 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 he humbled himself and became part of it. He condescended. He, he stripped himself of his rights as God. And he became like one of us and walked among us. And what was the whole point? Why, why, why? Why did he, why was he born in an animal st- st- manger? Why was he born in a barn? Why was he born a, of a virgin? Why was he born of, in a poor family? Why, why, why did he do that? The whole point, the whole point was redemption. He was a different kind of king. He wasn't born in a palace. He could have been. He could have had a queen for a mother, but instead he had a a, a young woman from Israel. He chose to be a normal human being to die in our place. Christ died to save sinners. This is uh, Matthew 26. As they were eating the last meal with Jesus, he took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying this, take this and eat it for this is my body. That's what this bread is. It's his body. Let's take, let's take the bread. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you became a man and Lord, we don't want to forget that you took on human flesh Lord Jesus, so that you could die in our place. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, you lived among us and walked among us. And Lord, you've become like one of us so that you could die in our place. You've made us, Lord God, your sons and daughters, bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. Lord, we believe that and we're identifying with that tonight as we take this bread. This bread is your body. And Lord, we take it by faith tonight in Jesus' name. You know, the Luke chapter 2, Pastor Chris read it earlier tonight. The shepherds watching their sheep by night. Apparently, these were not just normal shepherds. They were raising a special kind of sheep because, you know, there were thousands of sheep offered as sacrifices in the temple. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Somebody raised these sheep and they were there near Jerusalem, two miles outside of Jerusalem, being raised just to die. These were temple shepherds. These were sacrificial lambs. They had one purpose. To die as a sin offering. When Christ, it was not a coincidence that the angels went to the temple shepherds. He was telling you today the Savior's being born. The one you've been 
waiting for. The one these sheep are, are representing. The ones these sheep are calling for. You're not going to have to offer sheep anymore because the Lamb of God is coming. He's going to die. He's being born tonight in Bethlehem. Lord, thank you for your precious blood that was poured out for us. The blood of Jesus washes away every sin. If you have something in your life that shouldn't be there that you're ashamed of, ask him for forgiveness right now. Ask Him. He'll wash you and make you clean. Just ask Him in your own words. Just under your breath, just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. Wash me now. Cleanse me now. Wash my sins away. Thank you, Lord. Now go ahead and drink His cup. Thank you, Jesus. John said, as many as receive Him, He gives power. To become sons of God. Open your heart to Him. Even right now. Open your heart to Him. Open your heart to Jesus this Christmas time. This, this Christmas Eve 2022. He's knocking on the door of your heart. All He's asking for you is to say yes. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Wash my sins away. Make me a new person. I thank you. That you came to this earth to die in my place. I give you thanks for what you've done for me in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming out tonight. And we'll see you next time you make it to church. God bless you. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.